everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Mark of Athena. How are you doing today, Jane? I I am I am no longer Jane. Uh, I am the oh? fucking the the Larry of Jane. I'm the fucking I... wispy ghost. From one direction? I that's the one I'm just saying that I'm real fucking tired. Wait, what is the Larry? The La- Larry's oh. from the the ghosts, the Roman ghosts. Oh, I thought you were talking about like the the Harry X Lewis ship from One Direction. I didn't even know there was a guy called Lewis in that band. There is, maybe it's maybe it's a Louis, I'm not sure. But uh Lewis anyway. and Louis, the oldest division going back to the beginning of this podcast. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, no, that always has been a problem for me. So I like I literally I don't know how his name was pronounced, even though I've been on Tumblr for years. It's almost as if Tumblr is a text-based website. <laughs> uh, I've never heard an audio post, I guess. I mean, I probably have, and I just, like, like mind-hold it. Deleted it in favor of literally anything else. I'm fucking... I'm wiped. <laughs> I'm going to finish recording this and then do nothing for two days. You've been a busy bitch. <laughs> I have. I, I'm, I'm really proud of you for getting everything done. Thank but you. I, you. You do deserve the couple days of rest. <laughs> How are you, Jacqueline? I'm doing good. Right before this, I was folding some laundry and uh, doing my favorite laundry pastime, which is watching Andor. <laughs> if there's one one show that I associate with half watch out the corner of my eye while I do laundry, it's Andor. It's it's the perfect thing. See, so, yeah, I watch it. Basically, I get the entire view because we're watching it on like, uh, you know, the com- the computer which is over on the desk. So like, mm-hmm. I just sort of casually fold stuff and watch them. We're, we're in the middle of episode four right now. I I'm looking at the screen in front of me because I, <laughs> I sit on the desk. We just stopped. We oh wait, no, sorry, episode five. Uh, uh, we just uh, we stopped about eight minutes and forty eight seconds in. He said the thing about how the axe remembers but the tree forgets or whatever. Uh, Other way around. The- <laughs> <laughs> the ox forgets what the, the tree remembers it's it's the title it's of the episode. time to, it's time to do some dropping boys whatever <laughs> you know i i i really appreciate this about you jacqueline this is a, a bold move uh it's, it's, it's the kind of move that would be endorsed by george lucas himself like you know the the original star wars radio plays are more canon than the movies so just listening to the audio of andor while squinting at the screen and not really seeing what's happening that's the intended experience Listen, I see all of fucking the guy from the Bears' big weird body. Uh, like, I I understand the show. Which one is that? He's he's the guy who says that the the axe forgets but the tree remembers. Oh, Skeen. Skeen, yeah, he's he's in the Bear. He's very good in that. Uh, anyway, speaking of TV shows, I have a little bit of news for you today. Oh God. It's we got the final casting news for Percy Jackson that we're gonna get. The final? Yeah, we've got the whole cast for season one. Does that mean that we know who's playing Procrustes? <laughs> okay, we've we've got all the major <laughs> players, I guess. I uh, no, we don't. We don't have Procrustes. We're still waiting on the biggest piece of news. You're right. God, if they <laughs> fucking cut Procrustes from the TV show, I guess it would be appropriate to cut him. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, I. <laughs> But we got the final the final bit of casting news. I, I'm going to I'm going to send you a Twitter link. And, oh God! And uh, I'm going to have you react in real time, uh, and I want you to read it out as you read it. Okay. Okay. Lance Reddick is Zeus input. Hey, this kind of rules. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wait, I thought I was expecting terrible casting like Blue Manuel Miranda. No, this rules. No. No, it turns out it rules. Lance uh, Reddick Lance is Reddick. the... He's the dude from the John Wick movies, right? He's the guy who's in the hotel in those? He's from, he's in the John Wick movies. I think he might be from, like... I don't know, what, like, The Wire or something like that, too? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not seen The Wire. And, he is really good in John Wick. Hell yes. I, I should watch those sometime. But, yeah, he seems like perfect casting. And I... I but I'm a bit more excited about this one. Who's Toby Stevens? Toby Stevens is one of one of my favorite actors. He's in a little show called Black Sails. Oh, <laughs> this is a huge he, day for Jacqueline. 
I am fucking pogging. Uh, Toby Stevens plays uh, pirate captain James Flint on Black Sails. He he delivers some of the best speeches you've ever heard in a TV show. Um, And it made so much sense when I remembered Rick Riordan saying like, oh, I, he said like, I, I heard some of Poseidon's iconic lines from the first movie read out and I got chills. It was like different than I've ever thought of them before. And I'm like, damn, yeah, that makes sense because Toby Stevens <laughs> can fucking deliver a line. Uh-huh. I've, I've not seen him in anything, I don't think. Nope, he's not played a major role in anything that I've watched. Well, that's just fine. He was apparently in The Walking Dead for two episodes. Oh no, wait, that's Waking the Dead. Jesus Christ. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just fine. All right. Well, well, that's my big news. I'm incredibly elated at this. I, I I'm so fucking happy. I'm very happy. I I need Lance Reddick to grow a big bushy beard. Ooh, his, yes, yes, that'd be so good. His big smooth head does look good, but I think it, to to be Zeus, you need the beard. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. He's so smooth. Holy shit. <laughs> I. He should do the. I have a feeling they'll go for the clean cut thing. But I I want the beard. You're right. All right, uh, <laughs> ca- everyone, call it. I know filming's already wrapped, probably. <laughs> well, but... it can be like um, you know, facial hair uh, removal or addition CGI. It always works out great. Just look at the greatest movie of all time, Justice League 2017. <laughs> You're right. Well, that's that's hair removal. It's a bit harder, I guess. I suppose. Yeah, you just like put a floating JPEG of a beard over his face in every scene. <laughs> I mean, they have that new AI assistive technology that, like, changes lip flaps for, like, different languages. Like, they just change how, like, real people in real life have moved their lips. Oh, and, my like, God. I, Wait, I saw no, we can't, we can't get into Disney series using AI for stuff. It'll just depress me. That's entirely fair. <laughs> anyway, we've been going on about this for a few minutes now. Shall we talk about I, the chapters? We're allowed to yell about Percy Jackson news. It's a Percy Jackson podcast. I guess that's true. It feels like grotesque. I don't know. It feels it feels a bit brazen of us. This is we're not allowed to talk about this stuff until we're all the way up to date with the series. So we really are we're being very brazen right now. You're right. But raisins aside, uh, my raisin for a living is to deliver these summaries to you all. Your raisin detray. That's exactly right. That's a that's a really like. I don't know, Titan's curse level joke. <laughs> the fuck does what? I don't know. Like it's, it's very like damn core. Ah, I see. Oh, like the big pile of schist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. The series has never evolved. <laughs> We're on Sea of Monsters three right now. Anyway. Anyway, chapter forty-one, Piper. Rather than spending their alone time with Coach Hedge, Piper and Jason off to have a picnic in the park. But when the cornucopia splits out a cake, Jason's sh- Jason's shoosh. But when the cornucopia shoosh splits pap. out a- What? You said Jason's shoosh. Piper is shoosh papping him. God. Um, well, okay. Stopping the summary is really fast. <laughs> if we had to assign troll sonas to all oh, of the seven- <laughs> Never mind. But when the cornucopia spits out a cake- Jason sheepishly admits that it is, in fact, his 16th birthday. Piper and him have a chat about how he feels out of place, not sure how to act now that he's everyone's equal instead of their leader, but Piper reassures him that he's doing good as a hero and should rely on everyone else too. They then end their conversation as all good and stable couples do, by reiterating that they will definitely not be breaking up. (laughs) Their party is interrupted by Percy, who catches them up on the stitch with Annabeth, and also mentioning that Tiberinus hinted Piper's dagger would show the way to Nico. They check said dagger, and at first it shows them that the Roman war band have made it to Manhattan. But after a bit of tuning, they find the entrance to where Nico, who's still in the jar, a lot of pomegranate seeds unfortunately, is hidden. Piper realizes with horror that they'll have to go through the place she saw the three of them drowning in her vision. Chapter 42, Piper. When they get to the secret entrance, Piper admits her visions to everyone, but the boys aren't too scared. Drowning? With Percy Jackson there? Impossible. They make their way down the stairs to a nymphaeum, a shrine to nymphs that also binds them to that specific water source. And this one has been desiccated for centuries. The door disappears, and before our heroes appear the nymphs, who appear more like corpses than the beautiful nature spirits we've seen so far. 
They're actually the original nine nymphs, the ones who attended the birth of Zeus and hid him from Kronos. They were invited to this nymphium with the promise of Rome everlasting, but, well, that didn't pan out. Now they have a new promise from the giants. If they deal with these meddling kids, they'll be given a better life. The main nymph, Hagno, says that they will drain their powers of storm and sea and beauty as the well begins to fill with an oily black water. Chapter 43, Piper. As the water continues to rise, Piper recalls an old Cherokee story her dad would hold her. There is a guy who had a dog that starts barking at a lake, and when the guy scolds the dog, it turns around and says that soon the earth will flood, and he can only save his family by sacrificing it. The guy doesn't want to do it because that's fucked up, but then he realizes the dog is a skeleton, so he throws it in the water and builds a raft for his family. They all survive, and the ghosts of the dead dance. Piper realizes she is going to have to do some sacrificing too. Chapter 44, Piper. Remembering stories doesn't make the dark water rise any slower, and it's draining their powers and life as it goes. Piper figures out that they need to lean into it, calling fresh water from the cornucopia to flood the room. Percy and Jason grab the Horn of Plenty, and Piper grabs hold of them to keep everyone afloat. At first, it doesn't summon anything, but she instructs them to offer everything they have, all their power and life as a gift to the nymphs. Clean water spills forth, filling the room until the water's diluted and the walls nearly crack under pressure. It's nearly enough to drown them all, but Piper uses her last bit of strength to prevent that. Once the cornucopia stops, the water drains quickly. Jason's knocked out again, but Percy gets the water out of his lungs demigod style. The nine nymphs appear once more. Rejuvenated and reminded of the true joys of life, they allow the demigod hero's passage. And they're so excited to go see the beauty of nature that has surely flourished in the last thousand years. Plus their good buddy, Pan. Percy <laughs> stops himself from ruining their fun, and our three heroes go to meet the giants. So, Jane, what'd you think of the chapters this week? Alright, this is what I've got. Uh, Frank is Tavros. Percy is Feferi. Annabeth, Kanaya. Piper is Nepeta. Hazel is Aradia. Uh, Jason is Eridan, and Leo is Solix. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know what? Yeah, 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 I buy it. <laughs> Leo is Solix is actually a pretty good pull. Thank you. Jesus fucking Christ. I I hate the I hate Frank as Tavaris, but you're right. I'm uh, right. Anyway. Anyway, these chapters are pretty good. True. I mean, uh, I, let's, let's go through... The, the same thing we said last time. These are our final Piper chapters of the book. Well, I guess I guess it was important that we get the wrap up to Piper's arc, which was that she was worried that Jason was going to break up with her, and then he didn't. Yeah, I kind of didn't pan out to be like a super interesting perspective. Ultimately, yeah, not really. I I love Piper. I think she's one of the like better characters in the series. Usually, oh definitely. But like. Uh, I maybe like a bit of Hazel here since it was her brother who was kidnapped mm -hmm. would have been cool. Maybe Frank. So he could have seen like the competing perspective against Leo, um, Jason, even since he, I mean, he's constantly getting knocked out. So he I was gonna say, you he's, he takes so many head injuries that he doesn't know what's happening at any particular time. So Jason, I don't think he's going to remember this like happened in three years. Do you think there's going to be a like, um, you know, like, uh, Legend of Korra Season 2, where uh, Korra gets her, like, memory wiped or some shit and forgets that her boyfriend uh, dumped her? Oh, think yeah. That, um, he and Piper are going to break up, and then he's going to hit his head again and forget, and it's going to cause all sorts of drama because she's, like, hooked up with Leo or something. <laughs> that, I hope that happens, because that's. <laughs> I really just want this to keep happening to him, because it's really funny now. <laughs> but, yeah, Piper... I guess I would call her, like the least important character of our prospective characters to have. Which sucks, but it's because the book's given her nothing to do. Mm, it's really weird, right? And mm -hmm. to be honest, I don't feel super... I, I think these were good ending chapters for her. Like, I think she showed... She did a, she did a, had a good showing in the runnings, you know? Yeah. But it was only... It was kind of limited. Like, there was only so much she could do. Because, like... At this point, there's sort of a, um, because, like, if, if we take, oh, her story here was about, like, her relationship with Jason, well, that gets wrapped up 
in literally the first chapter that we have here. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess it kind of has a bit more like the last one where she kisses him. But ultimately, it feels like if that is the resolution, we got the resolution and then we got three pages of action tacked on. Chapters, rather. Yeah, it's... It's difficult. Because there's... If I want it to be charitable, if I want to justify Piper's relative lack of doing anything in this book, it's that like she does keep comparing herself to Helen of Troy because she has the Doom Scroll knife, and like she what Piper's take on Helen of Troy is is like, you know, she kind of had to sit back helplessly while watching everyone she cared about uh, get fucked over, and not be able to do anything about that. So I, if. If I wanted to be charitable, I'd say that's what's going on. I would also say that's not a very interesting perspective for an action kids book. No. Yeah, like, like kind of like you said, Piper is continuing to take roles where she, like, traditionally, this type of character might be passive and making them, like, active instead. She defeats Hercules. She defeats the fucking uh, Horn mm-hmm. Man. Uh, she, she takes the nymph situation pretty much into her own hands. Uh... So in that respect, she is seeing these visions. She is, uh, like, then pretty much taking them by the horns, but at the, I guess. <laughs> but the problem with that is it kind of falls... It falls flat a little bit for me mm-hmm. because we got established early on, like, okay, she's had all these scary visions. Then we kind of check them off as the book goes. Yeah. And that's fine, but... There's never, it, it's not playing with like Piper is keeping secrets because the first book already did that. Yeah. So when Piper says, like, in, in the second chapter here, when Piper says, Oh, guys, I have to tell you, like, I actually had a vision about all of us drowning, there's no, like, what you should have told us or like any conflict about that. Not even really internal conflict at all. She just says it and they're like, Okay. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like it maybe should have been like, I don't know, a different maybe she tries a different tack this time because like as you've said throughout this book she's been uh, like crossing them off a chart basically, they've all been coming true like clockwork. So I wonder if like what might have been a more interesting way to go is like Piper tells them and they try to avoid it and it ends up like I don't know, they end up in that situation anyway by virtue of trying to avoid it. And I think that would it would have been a fun concept for a chapter if every piper chapter was about about them trying to avoid one of the visions or whatever mm-hmm. uh that that could be fun but that also if we're advocating for the read of this as like piper taking activeness into her own hands um then that might detract from that because it's like things are just happening to them yeah but, yeah so i don't know i i have a i'm having a difficult time with this one i guess yeah, I guess my reply to that was like, I, I like the idea of Piper having more agency and being more active, but I don't think enough interesting is done with it that, like, you would lose a lot by making that switch. Yeah, not really. Why do people hate Piper so much? She, She's a good character in the first book, and in this one, she's not really done a lot. I don't, I don't get it. Is she, like, fandom-hated? Yeah, yeah, no, she's, like, half the posts on fucking... It's been a while since I've dipped into r slash camp half-blood. But like half the posts are like, oh, I'm sick of all the Piper hate, or I hate Piper. I I don't know. That's re- I, I kind of get the same. I feel like I've heard stuff about most of the new like Heroes of Olympus characters, especially the Lost Hero ones. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like out of the characters who get like hate, it's it's Jason it's Jason Piper and Leo, uh, which and... is baffling to me, especially the Leo thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's literally just sort of a reaction to oh we have different characters now i think that's very possible i the, the there was definitely like a cohort of people who opened the lost hero saw that the perspective thing was called jason and not percy and fucking lost it and have just yeah. not been normal since that's my that's my unshared uncharitable read on the fandom <laughs> i guess there is there is no fandom on earth that deserves a charitable read I basically agree. Uh, <laughs> these are these get a little bit silly. I, I I know it's like literally just the font I use for reading these things, but I mm-hmm. was pretty surprised when I got to chapter forty three and found out that it was one and a half pages. Yeah, no, no it's a short ass chapter. 
it's one of the I feel like it's one of the shortest Rick Riordan has maybe ever written. Uh, yeah, like because okay, here's like I I said in the summary, but it almost felt like I was padding it by explaining the full thing. <laughs> she's she's telling. You get the beginning of this, which is Piper is like, oh, God, what do I do? Oh, there is an old story my dad used to tell me. Uh, and then she re- re- retells the entire story, which is not very long. <laughs> and then is like, well, maybe this means something. And that's literally like you turn the page and the story is already over on the next page. It's really weird. How the fuck did Achilles know about this? Because he, he was. Uh. It, how, who? What fucking books of Native American folklore is he getting on his mythical island that's just him and Hercules? And the only book is one that Hercules wrote about himself. He doesn't even like books. <laughs> You're right. I guess, yeah, because it would need to be a fucking goatskin scroll or something. Yeah, that's really weird. I hmm. I guess he's magic. Whatever. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> like, there's, there's no real reason for him to know that and it's fine if there's no reason but there's also no like it doesn't mean anything to that character or piper's character that he knows it really yeah if it was like if it in some way like resonated with his story i could kind of accept it as just like you know the, these different mythological archetypes kind of echo each other i don't know like strange i guess he, i guess he's like a river god and it's like a flood story so <laughs> You know what? Actually, that logic does hold up because Percy's a fucking sea demigod and he can breathe in a river. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's basically all we're gonna get. I... Coach Hedge drops the... He he goes from wacky goat guy to dropping possibly the the harshest burn of this entire series on the first page. Where he's like... uh, Piper, I think, says, uh, oh yeah, we're not kids. And Coach Hedge is like, no, no, kids are baby goats. They have, like, prospects and social value. You are not kids. <laughs> it's really good. He is... He's tired <laughs> he of all these He annihilates them. He's tired of all these asshole teenagers, like, <laughs> making fun of him constantly. Because, like, they all do it, right? I know, that's true. He is, like, the guy who everyone is making fun of behind his back. Maybe he's just finally gotten sick of that. <laughs> I think that's fair. Like, all these jerks are like, oh, like, he's, they're even doing it in the last time we see him in this set of chapters. They're like, oh, yeah, you should stay here. You're you're totally our rock. Leo's always saying how you're his rock. <laughs> it's like, come on, don't, he's nice. Just don't be mean to him. You say that we, we have also been very mean to Coach Hedge, so I think we also owe him an apology. I'm sorry, Coach Hedge. I'm sorry, Coach Hedge. Anyway, I mean, he is an asshole, right? Like, he is an asshole. But you don't, not even assholes deserve like seven teenagers constantly making fun of them. No matter how many Chuck Norris spin kicks he does. But that was epic. That was like epic and based. <laughs> it was epic and bacon and cheese. It was epic, bacon, and. Uh, I ruffle oh, Christ. Christ. <laughs> I hope Rick Riordan is still making raffle copter jokes like ten books from now. I th- I don't know. I guess the weird thing is that like as as cringe as this is to read in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three, I guess Rick Riordan was kind of plugged into online culture because that wasn't that was a relatively normal thing to say back then. So maybe like by the time we get up to the present day, like Nico is calling things cringe or based. <laughs> That's possible, right? <laughs> I, I feel like Nico is never going to fully... Uh, maybe. I feel like I saw something the other day with, like, a quote that was like, oh, Nico caught me up to the weird parts of the internet. Uh, <laughs> well, what the fuck else does he have to do in this jar? <laughs> oh, God, you're right. He's just scrolling Tumblr. He's just on Tumblr. <laughs> I want the Nico Tumblr. I hope there's a Nico Tumblr arc in the new book. <laughs> You want, like, that fucking, that new Cormoran Strike book, where it's just pages and pages of petulant made-up Tumblr posts. Yeah, yeah, but I think Rick (laughs) Riordan could do it well. Anything that J.K. Rowling can do, Rick Riordan can do a thousand times better. You know what? I I, I have my issues with Rick Riordan, but I have no difficulty saying that. 
Yes, let's go back to the fucking roots of this series. Rick Riordan writes a much better fucking detective novel than J.K. Rowling. Damn fucking right he does. Ah, God. It's it's Jason's (laughs) birthday in these chapters. I I do love this detail for Jason. Because I just love seeing that he is... He is completely disconnected from everyone and everything. The only thing that he knows how to do is like his duty, and it, we you can like see the absolutely horrible detrimental effect this has on him. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like that the book seems to, is making that read intentional every time that comes up. Right, absolutely. We've talked about Jason as like a passive character before, mm-hmm. but he's all he's always been a passive leader, right? Like he is the yeah. <laughs> he's the passive fulcrum of everything. Uh, he makes the decisions and he's like he's made to make the decisions in that way yeah, he'll make the uh, decisions because someone else told him to do it exactly exactly and so i really i appreciate that he's like like that he is saying that he is floundering in this new role that he's like he doesn't know how to just be normal and <laughs> yeah that that completely Damn, trashed same. me same yeah <laughs> jason has become the most relatable character in all of the camp half office <laughs> I do I I, Piper and Jason are fine I like them a lot more in The Lost Hero because as a relationship their dynamic in this book mostly seems to be one of them getting really worried and the other one sort of probing it out of them and they have to just like reassure each other about stuff every conversation they have yeah and I I mean it's it's kind of it's rough to read, but also it, it does make sense with like who Jason is as like as we just said like weird disconnected guy and Piper being like you know horribly bullied. She spent a lot of her life like having secrets and stuff and not really being able to be very open about herself. So like it, it makes sense that like these two would really fucking struggle in a relationship. It does, yeah. That's that's true. Like I. And so I, I'm glad that that's like a consistent characterization. I just wonder what the entire arc of it is going to be like, because if it ju- if they just continue at like this forever, then <laughs> I I'm going to struggle a bit with this element of the series. This this to me feels like a relationship where they kind of um, they put her along like this for a couple of years, uh, and then they just like move to different places to go to college, say they'll do long distance, and just gradually stop talking. I. <laughs> yes that's my that's my fucking that's my read on this that's a that's a fucking like pinpoint critical hit i think <laughs> i think like oh my god yeah i i, I want there to just like drop the detail in the newest book of when like percy's trying to go to college that like they've already gone off to college or something like that mm-hmm. and I, I just want that to be mentioned in that book I, I, I need him to, like, uh, say to Piper, like, oh, how are things with you and Jason? And she says, I haven't spoken to him in three months. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry to hear that you broke up. I mean, we never broke up. We just haven't talked. We just grew apart. <laughs> I got, it got really tiring to have to say, like, oh, don't worry, Jason, you're my hero every time we talked. <laughs> just, like, every single conversation they have... Like, it's happened at least, like, two or three times in this book. They say, no, we're not breaking up at the end of it. You gotta you gotta give it to Rick Riordan. He is, he is good at accurately portraying what just, like, slightly tepid, kind of terrible teenage relationships are like. Yes, it's, it's very good. It's very I, good, actually. I genuinely appreciate that, and he's not just, he's not making it out as this, like, kind of idealized thing. No, absolutely. I kind of wish I had a cornucopia. A cornucopia sounds so convenient. Like, you have to give up all your powers or whatever temporarily, but if I could just get, like, as much fresh water as I wanted, I that's that sounds like a fucking dream. It's fresh, cold water. God. Like, it, there's there's water condensing on the outside of the glass. That's that's the dream. That's what you want. It, and, like, uh, like... A big cookie, like a big cookie, mm-hmm. comes out too. Oh my god! I, I feel like <laughs> I don't know. I'm like I have, I have grown as a person. I my my taste has simplified. I just need a glass of water and one cookie. Apparently, <laughs> that's that's all I want from the horn of plenty. 
listen, you you know how this shit goes. When you start getting excessively your demands, that's when your fucking poetic punishment comes in. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You stick, you stick to water and you stick to cookies, you're good. You're set. You try, you start trying to be like, um, I deserve an ice cream cake today. And it serves you, like, fucking, uh, like, n- non-dairy cornmeal sludge instead. <laughs> it just gives you, like enough ice cream cake to fill up the entire room when you drown in ice cream cake it's really sad <laughs> i would i would i would be happy to die by ice cream cake though <laughs> i mean that's how hercules went out it's true Is he, <laughs> i have to imagine he's just still there just like i and in the moment i imagine it's pretty annoying to like be buried in food but afterwards that's a fucking feast that's a feast for a little while, but he could not have eaten all of that in, a, in like less than a few days. And after a while, you just have an entire beach full of rotting food. <laughs> that's he's got a demigod. He's got a god stomach, though. Oh, I suppose that's true. I don't know. I just I just like the idea of Hercules. Is he's still sitting on his beach? He's as miserable as ever, but there's like dozens of rotting hams around him, and they just fucking stink. Oh God. <laughs> He, does he can't go. That. He can't go for like a bath or anything to get all the rotten food off him because Achilles is in the fucking lake. He'll get drowned. <laughs> Speaking of drowning, yeah, drowning is very present in these chapters. Real I, weird. I, that, sorry, you go. Uh, please, please go ahead. Real weird that um, we finally get like, oh no, Percy is actually drowning for real this time, and we don't get it from his perspective. Yeah, I mean. My thought here is that the reason that is is because we kind of already got that in this book. I that's kind of that's true. He did have that freak out in um, Pork Pie's aquarium. Uh huh. Yeah. So, but he didn't come close to dying, you know. No. So I guess we can like. My thought is like we can kind of take it as red that like that's his reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was like he'll be more scared of it now, but. That's not how it seems at first. Piper tells him, like, oh, I saw all of us drowning. And he's like, okay. Like, he's like, <laughs> cool. He's, he's like, yeah, I'll be fine. I, I can't drown. <laughs> I guess, I guess maybe he has, like, he, he got a little bit of um, a boost to his confidence from the, the Forkus incident. And I guess he was in the water a lot while he was searching for um, Leo and Frank and Hazel. Fair, yeah. So maybe he's adjusted again and then got fucked over again. Yes, this is a I I like this like set piece though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's first of all very scary, like getting locked in a well. It's it's one of the scariest things I can actually imagine. Uh, like yeah, falling into a grain silo probably a little bit scarier. Possibly, because, but and you drown like, either way. You drown either way, but one of them you drown in fucking grain. Yeah, that does sound worse actually. Yeah, uh. But being like the like combination of like oh it's a dark stinky well, uh there are zombie nymphs, uh, mm-hmm. which I I adore that I think that's awesome. It's very good. Uh, and there is like oily black liquid, like wa- like fucked up evil water <laughs> coming down. This is what just, that fucking giant from last book should have had. Yes, yes. <laughs> the one who like spat poison or whatever. Yeah. Nowhere near as cool as this. The this is the anti Poseidon right here. Yeah, yeah, it is. People are always I'm I'm convinced that there is like no major antagonist to, of a book who has as cool of a deal as any of the like sub antagonists within those previous chapters of said book. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> You're right, I can't think of any. Like, that's fine, too. Like, that's what they're there for. They're there to be, like, inventive, interesting sort of action pieces. But, and, like, that's giving way to, like, the final battle is more of a, I guess, character-focused thing that doesn't have to be as intense on the action. Oh, wait, wait. I thought of one. Okay. Uh, which is the, the random side encounters in um, Sea of Monsters... Uh, shittier than the real final antagonist of that book, which is Luke. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. But that's just because Sea of Monsters is crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
A book so bad that we have to make excuses about why its main antagonist isn't actually the main antagonist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember that guy's name. Fucking Polyphemus. Polyphemus, that's it. I I was trying to... I I was wondering if it was Porphyria, but I'm pretty sure that's just a disease. Porphyrion is a different character that we've gotten in the series at some point. Oh, yeah. I think that... Well, I think we met Porphyrion. He was, uh... I think he was one of the giants. That sounds... Oh, Porphyrion might have been the Poseidon one. Mm, Yeah. Or maybe the Hades one. I don't know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't fucking matter. I want to say that, uh... These nymphs have maybe the saddest fate in the world... This is so fucked up. Percy, tell them what happened. You saw Pan die. I... Okay, I agree that he should say something. <laughs> I think he should find them afterwards and say something. Actually, you know uh, what? Fair point, because he is still stuck in the well where they tried to kill him. Maybe actually I, a good idea to keep his mouth shut. I can't say that they wouldn't go dark-sided again. <laughs> It's it's sad, right? This is this is Rick Riordan returning to some to a touch point of the series, which is this sort of environmentalism, mm-hmm. and it just not using it for like an outright like moral or a like message, but sort of just like a point of sadness. Like we can all read this and understand that they are not going to get what they want because the the nature is not untouched. Uh-huh. Like, Everything like, is fucked. Everything is fucked. Rick Riordan <laughs> has submitted to Doomerism. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe they'll they'll submit to Doomerism for a while, and then they'll find like the the plants that Percy planted for Calypso in New York, and that'll cheer them up. Oh, a bit. oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, God, I love thinking about that. <laughs> Me too. That's that's one of the. Uh, what a good book. What a good series. <laughs> Me whenever I remember the Calypso chapters. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I yeah. We should talk about we should talk more about the the story. I think. Yeah, we've not really gotten into a lot of specifics. I I looked this up to see if it was real. It does seem like maybe it's real. Um and. You can really go into a well in Rome and get fucking drowned by nymphs. That's awesome. <laughs> no, you. You fucking asshole. I'm talking about the, del- the, the flood story. The flood story. Yeah, about the well being flooded. <laughs> no! No, no, no. I'm talking about the Cherokee doggy. I'm talking okay, about. Okay, I understand now. The heckin' Bufferino that's actually a skeleton. <laughs> I'm talking about the fucking Wolf Beast. What it's, a fucking what a fucking good boy, even in death, fucking looking after its owner. Yeah. It's a loyal doggy. It is. I have such mixed feelings on Piper's thing becoming like, here's this old Cherokee legend my father told me. I fucking said this was happening in the the Adelon chapters. I didn't believe you. <laughs> there's there's positives and negatives to it, right? Yeah, there's like on the one hand you can try and read it you can read it as like um you know Piper is, is she's in touch with her culture she's that kind of it plays into her character it means that she's not just like written like a white character with something else on her fucking character bio. On the other hand it does sometimes turn into a bit of the ooh Native American mysticism. Basically, yeah, and it's interesting because Piper wasn't depicted in the Lost Hero as being super in touch with like being Cherokee or anything like that and didn't she kind of hate it actually a little bit or am I thinking of someone else Mm, I think she had like a sort of because that was all like it all I think it was really tied up in her feelings about her dad yeah Um, yeah that might have been it and so like when she remembered like her uncle or it was her grandpa, her grandpa Tom or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like, she ha- seemed to have a lot of positive feelings about like, just like life back in Oklahoma. And 
that the the part that works for me is that it's always framed as like this is an old this is a story that my dad told me mm-hmm. and like I remember like the important moment in my life that this happened getting it framed in that way really makes it a bit better for me because it is that it like reinforces those like family ties the like the very like the real connections that make this exist and not just like not just like here's my genetic well of knowledge or something like that (laughs) yeah definitely yeah it, it does soften it a bit that it's framed that way you're right but that doesn't that doesn't fully make it a full chapter of her final few chapters is her set it's very silly because she doesn't she doesn't even come to a conclusion at the end of these chapters like or at the end of this specific chapter she you have to wait a bit i it's really weird to me just like it's it's not just that it's like i i feel like we're going back to the problem we had at the end of uh, son of neptune here where like the the thing is we need to sacrifice something to get out of this I don't. I can't tell what they sacrificed. Did it's, I miss something? No, I was just gonna bring that up too. I think the idea was less that you have to sacrifice something, and more that you have to want. You have to be okay with sacrificing something. You have to intend to sacrifice something, even if that doesn't come through. Uh, like you have to let go of something that's already gone. Maybe ca- I don't know. Right. Even though, like, they don't lose their powers after this, right? We we mm-hmm. immediately see Percy, uh, just sort of sucking sucking out, uh, Jason. Uh, I... <laughs> what? You're a criminal. We see him. It's not like mouth to mouth, but it like may as well be mouth to mouth. I assumed it was just like that that one bit in Avatar where like Katara water bends the the water out of the guy's mouth. I would not be surprised if that's literally what Rick Riordan is taking this from because it's like <laughs> I that's exactly what I envisioned too. But there's some, there's there's just something to like there's some there's something there, I think. It's Yaoi Friday, I don't know. I do think it would have been extremely funny if we had like this whole chapter about uh Piper being very nervous that Jason is going to break up with her and then later on Percy is giving her boyfriend mouth to mouth. That would have been very good. <laughs> Like, she tries to go and kiss him, and Percy's like, get the fuck out of the way, I have to save him. <laughs> I like that they're still kind of doing the pissing contest, even afterwards. It's good, it's good. I, I like the weird little rivalry. Do we have any, like, big interpretations of the story? I've got one. Okay. I've got one, this is my my my, my cold shot. Um, which is the story is about uh, giving up on something that is clearly already fucked and you just need to accept that and get over it and move on with your life and I think that this is foreshadowing for Jason and Piper's relationship ooh like you're thinking like three books from now or something they're gonna have to like which I guess would be like I guess that would be like Magnus Chase you think like there's gonna, <laughs> they're gonna have a cameo on Magnus Chase where they like <laughs> I don't know where they where where they're like ooh I actually Jason I have to tell you a story about a dead dog. <laughs> You're a dead dog to me. Ah, <laughs> uh, I yeah. I mean I I don't get a lot from this to be honest. It's it's. It... I'll be honest, Jacqueline. The reason that I've kind of been donkey on you a lot this episode is because I also didn't get a lot from these chapters, and I needed something else to say. That's fair. It's it's I... not because you are particularly vulnerable to being dunked on okay i'll, I'll keep that in mind for next week i'll, I'll try not to <laughs> retali- retaliate too hard you should retaliate okay well um anyway oh jane you should like this we get a chronos mention in these chapters we do get a very brief chronos mention but that's not the 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 insane background character bullshit that i'm on for these okay um the nymphs, when they're talking about, like, who uh, told them to come and stay in this place, uh, they, like, quote the person who sold it to them. And like, a new home, he promised. Bigger and better. No down payment. An excellent neighborhood. Rome will last oh forever. God. Oh, my it God. It was Mad Claude. Mad Claude sold them. Mad Claude. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. He is the Big Bill Hell's cars of ancient Rome. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> I need that to be true. Holy shit. Mad <laughs> Claude has like 
Rick Riordan made a mistake by introducing Mad Claude <laughs> because <laughs> as think? long as Mad as long as Mad Claude is not introduced into like not not a mistake as in like it was a bad idea uh-huh. uh, for us it was a bad idea for him it's like it's like you know when you're watching a movie and someone like sets up their own downfall halfway through the movie mm-hmm. that's what Rick Riordan did as long as Mad Claude does not show up in these books then they will be rated at most a five out of ten for me fucking listen this whole this whole series is full of Roman ghosts. You can you can put him in in the background somewhere. He moved on to the afterlife. Yeah, yeah. Do, do we know that Mad Claude is, has been introduced yet? I can't remember when that happened. I think that wasn't book three, was it? No, it was book two, I think, and that was the same time as Son of Neptune. So yeah, Mad Claude should be about. We have to see him. Please, <laughs> Rick. <God>. Please. <laughs> what if they just go to Egypt? <laughs> They could. I, they've got a flying boat, and relatively, they're not that far from it. Yeah, yeah. The problem with these chapters, I don't think these are as good a showing as like a, a set of final chapters as Leo gets. Yeah, that you know that was that was like a tour de force of everything we love about Leo. This was kind of not that for Piper. <laughs> what this was that solidified for me that Piper was not a character I was especially satisfied with this in this book. Yeah. That's that's sad to me, but it's like, at, le- at least I know how I feel about it, I guess. It's sad. I feel like Piper could be doing interesting shit, and she's just not getting the opportunity. Yeah. I here, Here's one thing it could be. What if um, we got some, like, further lead-up to the Flood story? Then, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that would actually be really interesting. And then it turns out that, like, the story that Piper's had in her head the whole time is just this, like, really simple thing. Like, it's this one-page affair. Yeah. And it's the sort of reveal of, like, oh, things are simpler than we thought they were. Or, like, there's a simpler meaning to it all. Like, that that could be something, maybe. That could be something. That Yeah, that could definitely play into the whole, like, you know, Piper is always, like, overthinking her relationship with Jason and stuff like that. She's doom-scrolling on her knife. She is, like, someone who frets over shit. So I could definitely see that kind of working for a character. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I guess we're just rewriting the book, which we've done a lot in this book. <sighs> as as usual, at the point where we're like, we started rewriting the book and we start talking about Cain Chronicles, it's probably a sign that we've run out of shit to say. <laughs> probably, and that's that's sad to me because I like Piper, like we said. Cain Chronicles is always a portent of doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I guess my final words are that I I think these were okay. I think these were good at what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, I think these were an effective set of scenes, uh, but those set of scenes did not were not especially interesting. I guess if these were not Piper's last chapters in the last like fifth of the book, they'd be fine. Yeah, right. A lot of the problems in this book, I think, could be solved by just like better setup for how things resolve. Mm. Yeah, because we were talking about that with Archimedes last week. Yeah. Do you think this is a set of, like a side effect of maybe um like Rick's playing the long game now? Oh. Like maybe Rick Riordan is looking ahead to like book three like four and five, and that's where he's like that he's set up his arcs now, so like they start in one book and end in another rather than like what we usually get from him, which is like a sort of a semi self contained character arc from each book. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I, I can see that being the case. Because it also doesn't seem like we're going to get a resolution to uh, any of the, the romance subplot with um, Leo, Frank, and Hazel in this book. So, like, Probably it's, not. It, it does seem like we're kind of... We're in, the, we're in the stages where he's setting up his dominoes to push over in the next couple. Mm-hmm. Well, next one's Percy. We like him. We like Percy. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll see how that goes. But for now, I think that does it for us. I think so. Our intro and outro music is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore N on Twitter. We're hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find them at Twitter on Moonshot Pods. And watch the Twitch streams at Moonshot Network on Twitch. If you want to find us, you can find us pretty much anywhere at Unwise Girls. Uh, we've got links to our social media personals, our Discord server, our email, anything you want if you want to contact us. 
you should send in questions to us for our episode 100 extravaganza because that is going to be a lot of fun. We are really fucking nearing that. We're two episodes away. It's terrifying. It's very scary. (laughs) Also, if you want to support us, you can go leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice. You can tell your friends about us. Or you can support us monetarily with a little bit of that cash, a little bit of your card and cash. You can go to patreon.com slash unwisegirls where for just a dollar a month, you can get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For $3 a month, you can get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus as well as all of our bonus content. Yep, on the last episode, uh, Jacqueline's friend Sam came on and we all had like a big 70-minute long conversation about um, Mithrigan, Megan, whatever the fuck it's called. The weird stabby doll movie. A 70-minute conversation that I think if we like inadvisably wanted to and also it was early in the day, could have been like a 140-minute conversation with all the thoughts we had. <laughs> That's very possible. And also, for $5 a month, you can get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week, we'd like to thank uh, Danny, Tana, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. You know, Tony? What's up, Roma? I want to learn about a lot of shit. But, uh, well, Roma, you don't, you don't have the time to learn all of the shit. There's too much shit. No. But you know what? What? You could learn more shit in very quick ways. Yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you got, you got a lot of friends, and your friends know shit. And your friends, they could probably just yell shit at you in like 30 to 45 minute intervals. And then you can acquire an approximate knowledge of all of the shit. And then you could know all the things. But, but how? I don't know. Probably like a podcast format. You know what? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you can listen to the hyperfixation anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks to the Moonshot Network. And acquire your new hyperfixation with me.